Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 211 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is March 5th, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast with spring football starting tomorrow, March 6th. We've got a lot to talk about this USC Trojan football team. We'll get to see them for the first time officially in 2012. We've got Dan Weber coming on, uscfootball.com beat writer he'll be on the show a little bit later on talking about this team answering your questions and we have coach harvey hyde in the first segment as always we're going to talk to him have him answer your questions he's over in catalina on secret assignment but we still get to catch up with him and talk to coach hyde we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments email us podcast at uscfootball.com that's our email address or you can give us a call 206-888 6755, leave us a brief voicemail and we will play it on the air and answer your questions. You can also leave us a voicemail right on peristylepodcast.com on our front page. Left side of the page, use the Speak Pike, excuse me, Speak Pipe app and click on that. Leave us a voice message and we'll play it on the air. We have a few of those coming today, so we'll get to those a little bit later on. But first, Coach Harvey Hyde, the first segment from Catalina Island. How are you doing, Coach? I am doing great. I'll tell you, the weather was so beautiful this weekend that I said to my wife, let's get out of here. So we came across here at the channel, and uh, I stayed an extra day, and it's just fabulous. Uh, the weather is like summer. I don't know, man, if it's going to be like this during the year. It'll probably rain all summer. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. It's going to rain all summer, and uh, all you people that have reserved beach houses or whatever, it's going to be raining, but Ryan... You can't beat the weather we have right now. Yesterday, you told me you spent the whole day on the beach. I was the whole day down at the beach uh, playing volleyball and hanging out. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, about 80 degrees or so. It just I went in the ocean a little bit, saw a whole bunch of dolphins swimming around. I mean, it was great. It's a great day. It doesn't feel like early March. It's awesome. I'll tell you, too. You know, last week, too, since you're talking about the beach and volleyball, I had Anna Collier on, the new uh, – sand volleyball coach at USC and it certainly is interesting about uh, the new sport at USC they're going to be playing in Santa Monica the first season and she's looking for people to come out and support the team and so on it's going to be great competition and then they're going to have an on-campus facility the next year built uh, and it's really interesting uh, the way they play the sport of sand volleyball as far as the rotation uh, five teams like a tennis match and so on and you pair up the girls and they play uh, in the sand. It's going to be fabulous. I can't wait to get out and watch that too. I will check that out for sure. Santa Monica. I was hoping they'd come down to the South Bay, but we'll uh, we'll head up the beaches up there and check out that team. And you can you can actually hear that show, Coach Harvey's Hyde uh, Trojan Talk. It's on the Peristyle Podcast page. Just you know, look down there. And it says click here for Harvey Hyde's latest show. So you can check that out and you can hear that interview and. Before we get into everything, Coach, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com. If you need tickets for anything, concerts, you want to go to some kind of sporting event, you want to go to theater, baseball starting up soon, go and call 1-800-888-7287. I know I got an email over the weekend 
and someone was asking for tickets, so I gave them over to sctickets.com. I think they were looking for USC-UCLA tickets, Coach. So they're thinking about the season early. And if you need tickets, you can always go to sctickets.com. They've been helping us out for years now. Well, I'll tell you, it's a place to go. I go there. In fact, I'm going to Vegas with my family in a couple of weeks, and we're going to go see uh, Rod Stewart. Can you believe that? Ooh, Rod cool. Stewart. So uh, who got the tickets? Southern California Ticket Service. <laughs> And they're good ones, too. So I thank them over there for getting it done. I thank Curtis and Stephanie. They always take care of me. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into some questions, Coach. With spring football starting, uh, people have questions about this team, what's going to be going on. Um, let's start with Melvin. He wants to know, spring practice coming up, how much time do you think uh, Coach Kiffin will, will give to the backup quarterbacks once he decides uh, a number two quarterback do you think he's going to get some quality time during the season knowing Barkley is going to be leaving? Well, I certainly uh, think he has to. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, I think the season will be a different season, too. Uh, I'm not sure if Matt Barkley will get the numbers that he got last year because I think it's very important that a backup quarterback is uh, brought along and gets some playing time and so on for recruiting and also to bring the, his confidence along. Uh, if SC is able to uh, get a good start on the season and, and get ahead in some games, uh, uh, I think you've got to bring in backup quarterbacks. You've got to start showing uh, them some time. And, and I tell you, it's a difficult thing to do as a coach because today uh, there isn't really a point of where you say uh, the other team's out of the game. It's really hard to say that. Teams come back being down – 21 points the way offenses are especially in the pack 12 you can be up 21 points and think well i'll put in the backup quarterback and all of a sudden you end up losing the football game because once you take a quarterback out of the game it sends a message to the team to oh i guess we we won this game and you see a different effort too with your first teamers to still stay in there so it, it's very difficult to get playing time for backup quarterback, yet you have to do that because you have to get your backup quarterback some rhythm and some reps and so on for the next year and also for recruiting as far as being able to prove that you do have a backup quarterback and great players still want to come to USC because you can still do what you've been able to do. So it's a difficult call. I used to, I know the coaches used to come to me when I was coaching. They'd say, Coach, let's start to put in some players. And I'd say, No, not yet. No, 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 not yet. Because you're always paranoid that you never had enough. Was if you've been in coaching long enough, you've lost a game or two when you've had a game in control and you thought you were going to win that football game and you did substitute and you ended up losing. So you're a little bit paranoid, but I think you do have to start playing a backup quarterback and giving more reps. And I think they'll see more of that in the spring. You'll see more of that in the spring at USC as they try to bring along a backup quarterback and make sure that Barkley keeps his rhythm and his timing and all of that. But I think you don't want to burn him out either. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Melvin. Let's go to Beto. In Brooklyn, he says, I was wondering if we had any info about whether or not the spring game will be televised or streamed online for us, not in the SoCal region. I would very much like to watch it, see what we have in store for the upcoming season. So he's talking about April 14th, the USC spring game, which will be uh, at the Coliseum. I think it's $10 to get in, 
coach. I believe that's a, the tickets are like 10 bucks and USC hasn't uh, streamed these or broadcast these in the past. I don't think they're doing it this year. I haven't heard anything about it. It doesn't seem to be like the philosophy that Pete Carroll had or Lane Kiffin did, but I don't know if you've heard anything different coach. Well, I, I tell you, I know we're going to broadcast the spring game. Okay. Because I'm going to be doing the color on that. So the game will be broadcast on the radio on ESPN on ESPN radio though. Yeah, ESPN Radio, right, which they okay. should be able to pick up, though. Yeah, you can uh, you can pick it up. It'll be the, the local ESPN radio station, 710, has a website, and you can go there, and you can listen to any broadcast uh, live. So I, I assume they'll be able to do that as well. I think they can do that. But, you know, I have heard that, um, you know, the new network, it's going to be a lot of it's going to be on Fox, that I did hear a while back, and I haven't really followed up or uh really asked anyone but i think some of the spring games may be on television because as you saw in the past espn has picked up some spring games alabama and so on in the past and i think with fox now coming big time now into college football i think they might carry they could carry a spring game like sc oregon stanford some of the teams like that in the spring to help promote their coming season. So I don't know anything for sure, but I remember months ago hearing that rumor and maybe they might do that. And uh, if they do, it'd be great for everyone. Yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing that happen in this year, but like next year when the, especially with the regional networks, I mean, there's going to be a lot more stuff on TV and whenever you have a TV station, you're itching for content and, Honestly, I think the producers know that a USC spring game is going to get, you know, better <laughs> uh, viewership and, and better numbers than, you know, even like a USC baseball game or, a, you know, a field hockey or something I mean, from other school, anything like that. So I think I would assume with this Pac-12 deal, they're going to be pushing hard to, to televise those, like you said. It'll be interesting to see if USC, though, wants them televised. They haven't wanted them televised in the past. I'm sure they've tried to get that before but there might be something with the new deal, the new network deal that they, they would have to put that on TV. Right. I agree with you, but this way of promoting the coming season and, and getting viewers and so on to pay attention to USC football, Stanford football, Oregon football, they would pick two or three key uh, teams or rotate it around, maybe even UCLA if they're different dates and have weekend programming with spring practice. I think it's something that, uh, I would do. I would want to do. Uh, SC has not wanted to do that but uh, because you're afraid that you're going to give scouting reports out and so on. But teams know everything about you. I think it's good for you to highlight your team and promote your players and give your fans an opportunity to watch USC football or Oregon football, whatever school you're coaching at. If I was coaching still, I would want my team to be on national TV as far as uh, spring practice. I think it promotes your program. Do you think it would be, I guess, do you think Lane Kiffin would call a game differently or have it run differently if it was put on TV as opposed to the way it is now? I mean, there's still the public can go see it. Um, I mean, it's not like a huge mystery of, of, you know, what he likes to do, but they do seem a little reluctant to to televise that and I guess give teams extra tape, uh, you know, on the on the Trojan football team. Do you think he would call it a little bit differently if they, they did make him put it on TV? No, I don't think so. Uh, you might not do a couple of plays or 
couple of new formations or things you worked on in the spring, you might keep that a secret. Or players playing a certain position, you might keep that a secret. But if somebody wanted to scout you, all they do is come to your spring game, buy a ticket, sit in the stands, and watch it. So if there's a way, uh, you know, if somebody really wants to find out what you're doing, if you're the opening game, they would do that anyway. So uh, I would think that you might do a little bit different, but I don't think you do a lot different. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's got a – we're going to go to the voicemail question. Here's one for you. This is actually a speak pipe. A speak – can't say that today, <laughs> Coach. Sorry. Maybe it was too much uh, – we had a couple too many beers on the beach yesterday, but <laughs> – <laughs> Not that I Are you that. sure you're not still on the beach? Yeah, no, not that I condone that. Uh, it was a speak pipe question. Uh, this is on the USC defensive line. Hi, I'm uh, interested in knowing how the defensive line is going to be shaping up this next year. Um, are these younger guys going to be able to have the impact that some of the players that left had? Um, are they strong enough? Are they big enough? Are they ready for the for the next level to start and, and really hold our line together and, and really make a difference. Um, my name's Dan, and, and that's my question. Well, I tell you what, uh, you always have a question mark when you lose great players like Nick Perry. You know, he's a great player, and and uh, when you lose a, an impact player like him, he led the Pac-12 in sacks. You know, it's hard to say, is someone going to replace him? You hope someone does replace him. You hope someone else does really come up and have a great year. Uh, Kennard is the, certainly the type of player that can do that. He came on strong at the end of the year. I thought he really played well the second part of the season. Wes Horton, is he's got as much as experience. He's been playing now for three years regularly, so it's time for him to really get into the mix. You've got young players, too, that can come into the fold. Uh, you've got this kid Uko I mean he, he George Uko is going to be a great player I've said that all along I think he's going to be an impact player Townsend's going to be an impact player uh, uh, Tavai should develop into an impact player how good is Woods going to be how good is some of these uh, Hayward going to be you really don't know but you hope they mature and it looks as though during the off season they've really worked hard they've lost weight uh, they're, 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 they know what they have to do, and, and they know they're going into a spring practice where spots are open. I'll tell you, it's a great feeling to go in and say, hey, if I have a great spring practice, there's a chance I can play and I can start. Before, when you have a lot of great players back, you sort of, you don't coast, but you know that who's going to start. In this situation, if you're a backup player a year ago, you now have an attitude where you say, those positions are open. If I have a great spring, I'm going to have an opportunity to play. And I think that this is what Coach Orgeron will do. He'll, he knows he has to bring some players along. He knows that he has to get these players matured in the spring and in the fall. But he wants to know now who's going to be his impact players, who are going to be the guys he can count on. Now there will be some new players that will be coming in that he'll look at. But uh, the players who are going to play the majority of the time next year for USC and the defensive line are already on campus. They've already been through a fall camp. And uh, you've got to bring these guys along. Now, will they be as good? Who knows? But the question is, you've got to make them as good if you're going to compete for a Pac-12 champion and if you're going to play for a national championship. These kids have got to come up. And the question mark is how good they can be. 
Well, kids grow up in a hurry. Kids can really mature. You hope that what you forecast these kids to be, they start becoming it. Where you really have a problem if a kid as a freshman plays as good as he can play and never gets better. What you hope is a kid comes in as a freshman and he gets better as a sophomore, he gets better as a junior, and then as a senior, he's a great player. Now, Coach Ordron has some players that can be like this, like Horton and Gennard and Townsend and Green and who knows who else they've got in there and the defensive line players we mentioned. So it's there, and they got to get it done. So, you know, you're not going to all of a sudden bring in somebody, so you better hope that those guys get it done. I think they're going to be fine up front. I really do. I think they're going to be fine. Uh, they might be quicker than they were a year ago. I think they will be up front. They'll be quicker at the defensive tackles, especially defensive end wise. I don't know. Perry really finished strong, had a great combine, but I think they have the players there that can replace him. So, you know, that's what spring practice is about. And that's why every year you hate to lose kids early and you hate to see kids go because you have to replace them. But you have an opportunity to go out and get great players at USC. And every other school, too, loses great players, so it's all equal. It's who does the best and who fills in the best as far as upcoming players for the future. Well, you talk about the defensive line coach, and uh, certainly there's some big names that have to be replaced, big shoes to fill, you could say. Uh, For the linebackers, not so much. By the end of the season, it was all freshmen that were starting at the three different linebacker spots. But one player we didn't see a lot of – Anthony Saro or Sarayo, I, I've heard it pronounced so many different times. We'll have to clarify what that is. But Emily and Corona wanted to know, do you think Anthony Sarayo is going to see the field this year? You know, I think he will. He used his redshirt year. And what I've heard, that he's a great player. He can really run and he's physical. I really think he's going to be a good player. Will he see the field this year? I think he will. I think you have to uh, bring him along. You just can't, uh, if he's got the potential, which he has, you got to see him on film. You can't really evaluate a player until you see him on film in a game. You know, there's game players. There's guys that play on Saturday, but you wonder during the week, how does he do it on Saturday? Because he doesn't look good during the week. But there's guys that really gear it up on Saturday and really make big plays. So I think you'll see him play. And I think he'll get some time in there because uh, I think they'll play him in the middle. And uh, if something happens to Dawson, if he does get hurt, you've got to have a guy ready to play. And I think this kid has shown, or at least the uh, thoughts that I hear from people about him is that he is a big-time player and he can make big-time plays and he's physical. So I think he'll get some turns. I really do, especially uh, with the opening part of the season. And I'm not trying to downplay some of the teams are playing in the early part of the season. But if you're going to be dominant, you've got to be able to put someone away and uh, have players come on the field and be able to give young players an opportunity to play. So you've got to come out strong early in the season where you have an opportunity to do some of this stuff before you get into Pac-12. But I'll tell you, the Pac-12 this next year I think is going to be brutal. I really do. It's better. got better coaching. I think every school now has a great coach in the Pac-12. Not that they weren't great coaches before, but let's say they're better coaches because they're out recruiting, they're giving these coaches money, 
They're building facilities for these universities. It's important for them to be successful. So, uh, yeah, I think he'll play some next year, and I think he, uh, it, they got to give him some turns. All right. Let's, uh, we got another voicemail question here, Coach. Talk about some of the recruiting uh, aspect of this team and what it's going to look like in the fall. Here you go. Hi. I wanted to know about what's going to happen with USC and the new recruits. Who's there? What's going on? Are they starting to see who they're going to have for the next set of um, recruiting process? And are they looking at um, running more of the traditional op- um, offenses from the past? Or are they going to try to run more unique type things with the new athletes that they brought in? Um, if you can answer that question, then yeah, you're definitely a god. All right, thank you. Well, I think USC is USC. They've established their program of who they are and what we do. Now, every year you make uh, adjustments and you add wrinkles to your offense. You add wrinkles to your defense. You try to get better. You try to take advantage of the personnel you have. But you've got to have your players on the field. and You've got to be able to put them in a position to make plays. So there will always are wrinkles that go on with the current players you have and new players you bring in. And you always try to forecast a place for those new players to play and where they can help the program if they can help the program immediately. Now, right now, I think there's a lot of great players that are coming in, but I think there's two players specifically. And I've mentioned this before that could be, and I don't want to say impact players. Impact players mean they are coming in and they're going to make huge plays and do things that uh, overshine some of the returning players. But I think there are two players coming in that can contribute to the USC offense and defense. And one is Nelson Aguilar, the running back from Florida. I tell you, he is a great player. And I tell you, he could be a great receiver, but he's also a great running back. And I think right now, with the depth at running back, this is a kid that's willing to play anywhere. He's got a great attitude. He just wants to play. He's coming from out of state. He doesn't care about how far it was. He wants to be a Trojan. And with that type of attitude, he'll be a great addition to the offensive side of the football as far as a running back. Will they run him, play him all the time? I think it'll be a while because he has to learn the offense. It's going to take some time to learn the offense. Curtis McNeil is a great player. D.J. Allen, it's time, D.J. It's time to step up. I think the guy that's going to get all the reps or the two guys that are going to get all the reps in the spring are Allen and D.J. Morgan. I think they're going to get all the reps in the spring. Curtis McNeil, you don't need, he doesn't need to prove anything. You've got to give him reps for timing and so on, but you can't beat him up. He's got to be your back for the entire season. But the guys you've got to get better for this coming year are D.J. Morgan. You've got to find out what Allen is made out of. Is he a player or is he not a player? Is he going to stay at tailback or is he going to be a fullback? Let's find out who he is. And when Nelson gets in town, Aguilar, this is a kid that's got tremendous speed. Uh, He reminds me a little bit of, the Anthony Thomas, as far as quickness and speed and breakaway speed. So the, he's the impact player, if you want to call him impact player, or a player that can contribute to the offense at a position where they need some depth. 
And on defense, this Leonard Williams kid from Florida, another kid from Florida, I've really liked him. I think he has the potential to be an inside guy. Now, he's played outside, but he can play inside. I think he's weighing about 270 now, 6'5", 6'6". By the summer, he could be 280, 290. He could be a kid that could spell, and they could rotate him in there with Tavai and Hayworth and Woods and so on. Hayward, and I think the I think this kid could really come along. So those are the two players I think that could really contribute to USC's season next year. Not that the others couldn't, but you want to save their eligibility, bring them along, and if you can redshirt them, that's what you want to do. All right, Coach. Well, again, great stuff. We love talking to you about the USC football team, and it's. During the offseason, there's a little, you know, there's that stuff going on. The team's out there practicing, but now real stuff, spring football, helmets, shoulder pads, everyone getting ready to go out there. Coaches out there yelling and screaming, new coaches to see. Should be a lot of fun, Coach. We look forward to seeing you out there on the field and enjoy your time, the rest of the time over there in Catalina. I will enjoy it, but I'm looking forward to seeing you Saturday and uh, watching the Trojans. I'm going to give them two days to sort of get everything down. Then on Saturday, I think they'll be in pads. And we'll watch what's going on. Sounds great, Coach. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on the show. And thanks to Southern California Tickets. We'll be back in 30 seconds talking with USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We have Dan Weber on the line, uscfootball.com. Beat Rider will be down at every spring practice covering USC football, which starts tomorrow, uh, Tuesday. Spring football 2012, Dan, you all ready? Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the one thing that's going to get up on us quicker than I think we've been used to is uh, having Pro Day. Uh, the next day on Wednesday, uh, that just seems quick. Uh, so, uh, so you get you get uh, Tuesday start of spring practice, pro day on Wednesday, right before. I think we're going to finish up on pro day and head down the street to the uh, uh, monumental USC UCLA <laughs> Pac-12 opening tilt uh, and closing tilt, probably for USC, I guess. But which uh, is at 2:40 in the afternoon on Wednesday. So Wednesday's a big day, even though uh, uh good thing the uh, football team isn't practicing on Wednesday. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot going on. you got the Tuesday practice. They'll practice again on Thursday, everything that you mentioned on Wednesday, and then Saturday they get back up again. But it, I guess it's a little different this year, Co- uh, Coach. Sorry, <laughs> Dan. Oh, we had Coach on earlier. No, it's okay. Yeah, uh, but it's a little different where it started earlier, and I'm not sure why Lane Kiffin was doing this. It's in the afternoon. And there's a week off for spring break. So I don't think we've seen that, at least the years I've been covering the team, where they had a week off during spring, pro- during spring football. 
And I, I probably uh, don't pay enough attention to the academic calendar all the time, but I, I think it may co- coincide a little bit with spring break. And I think the other thought was uh, with the number of guys, uh, you know, coming back off of surgery or in case somebody, you know, does something early in practice, uh, it'll give them extra time to get back for the last, uh, you know, the last four weeks uh, and, and the run up to the spring game. And I think I actually I think it's a good it's a good idea because of the early start. Uh, you still don't penalize kids who uh, who maybe uh, you know either are injured or coming off or whatever because it does look like there might be some kids that would be uh, able to finish out the out the spring who might not be there at the very beginning. Uh, so uh, so I think you know like everything Lane does, I think there's a whole lot of thought uh, put into it. Uh, uh, and it probably also gives the coaches that week in between to look at the first week, and you've got three new coaches on the field, you know, uh, evaluating players and and what it is they're trying to do and what have you, and it gives you a break of a week where they can go back and sit down and say, okay, you know, what are we doing? Are we doing the right thing? You know, my – my dream is that uh, you got Scotty Hazelton and Marvin Sanders sitting in there saying, Bonnie, uh, we got a lot of good athletes uh, on this defense. Do you think we ought to go after them a little bit harder most of the time and not, <laughs> and not sit back at all? You know, well, anyway, that's my, my uh, thought process there anyway. But, uh, but I do think it's a good idea to give them that week, especially with the three new coaches and with kids coming off uh, – uh, surgery and things like that. I think it's uh, I think it's very well thought out. The coaching act, the coaching aspect is interesting that you mentioned because starting earlier, you would think with new coaches, that would be more difficult for them to prepare. But I do like the angle you're putting there, where it's kind of like you get their feet wet, and maybe there's stuff that they didn't know that they didn't know, and they can kind of figure all that stuff out in the week uh, during that spring break, and then get back the last four weeks of spring football with a better knowledge of what they want to do. Well, and the other thing I think is it brings three new sets of outside eyes to the USC practices. So you've got, you know, guys coming in from the Southeastern Conference, from Nebraska, uh, from, a, you know, North Dakota State, a national champion North Dakota State that had a heck of a defense. And you've got them looking at here's how we do it or here's how we're trying to do it. What do you think? I think that's all good. I'm really, I'm, I think it really, I think nice job by Lane, uh, I think, in terms of the general structure of, of spring practice. All right, well, let's, we got some questions to get to, and then I'll, we can do some, uh, some preview of spring football. Not, you know, just kind of an overview thing. You put up a lot of spring football previews by position already, and so people can check those out on uscfootball.com. They're still coming. They'll come all the way up until spring ball starts tomorrow afternoon. Uh, but the first question, Andrew, is, is USC switching back to afternoon practices for the spring and the fall? Right now, we understand not for the fall. Lane said that the, they, they didn't have the same choice in class, uh, uh, class structure, class time uh, in the fall, or excuse me, uh, in the spring as they had when they uh, uh, cleared away the mornings in the fall. Uh, it's a... Uh, you know, it's an interesting coin toss uh, in terms of which is better. Uh, I think um, preparation-wise, this might not be a bad thing football-wise. 
academically, I think it was it made for a longer day for kids who were really up and ready and, and ready to go uh, and practiced well. But then uh, I think it caught up with them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's commercials for that, uh, you know, five-hour energy drink or whatever. I think those kids, you know, it would hit them about mid-morning. And uh, I think it, it, at times, I mean, they're young kids, and, you know, you could say, you know, don't go out or don't, you know, spend too much time. But, it, you know, they're, they're college kids. And uh, so I think they were able to get their act together, uh, and they really did practice well. And it, it, as the season went on, you, you know, the results showed how much, uh, how good a job they did preparation-wise. But uh, the latest we heard from Lane was they were going back to morning in the fall, early morning practices. And he hasn't been absolutely written in stone, but that, that seems to be, because I think I asked him specifically, I said, uh, about, you know, the afternoon practices in the spring, does that give us some hope for the fall? And he said, nope, it just gives you hope for the spring. He said, you'll be okay in the spring, but in the fall, you know, right now, he said, you're still getting up early. So, that's where we are right now. We'll see. Okay. Uh, well, here's a voicemail. We have a few voicemail questions this week, Dan, over uh, SpeakPipe, which is uh, a new feature we've been putting on peristylepodcast.com, where you can go right on there uh, on the Peristyle Podcast page, click on the left side, and leave a voicemail right on your computer. Most of the audio has been pretty good. I think this one is a little questionable, but here's a uh, question about Nelson Aguilar. Hey, guys. Quick question. Um... What kind of impact do you think Nelson Aguilar um, will have next year, both as a running back and a receiver? Uh, thanks. I uh, love the show. Um, see you next week. Uh, I know he said Nelson Aguilar is a running back. What was? Uh, could you hear his specific comment about uh, Aguilar? Just he wanted to know the impact he would make as a running back and a receiver. Well, uh, the impact. Just from looking at uh, Kennedy Palomalu, <laughs> as he described Nelson and Nelson's desire to be a running back, he's already had an impact. Uh, uh, it was like uh, the lights went on inside of uh, Kennedy's, uh, you know, head when he started talking about Nelson. Uh, I mean, I think they they love it that he's such he under he seems to really get USC, and he seems to you know, want to come to USC for the right reasons, that he's the right kind of kid who, uh, you know, out of Florida who would really understand this is why I want to go to USC, this is who I am, this is what I can do, and how that would work at USC. For those of us who saw that YouTube dunk the other day, uh, you got to think uh, that a kid with that kind of explosiveness, uh, uh, you know, can play and contribute, and you know wherever he's needed, and and I, I look for him, even though he's leaner, uh, he's got you know some of that same body type uh, as uh, as George Farmer had, and you know maybe to to take uh, the George Farmer hybrid kind of role uh, where he can he can do both things, and I think we all know that you know there. Are, a number of uh, examples of kids who who have that kind of ability to play the hybrid where you try to get him the ball in space and, you know, you can line him up as a running back and do lots of different things with him. Uh, uh, he also, I think, fills a need uh, now that uh, Amir Carlisle is gone because I thought Amir was awfully good as he showed in the Colorado game at, uh, you know, with the 
the screen uh, pass reception for the touchdown, and that I think uh, uh, Nelson's ability to you know to catch the ball and make that first move and be very uh, definitive in what he wants to do, and just that sort of uh, you know just natural reaction that just uh, that he just seems to have, and he seems to have the ability to do that, and uh, so. Uh, uh, I think he's got. I think he will definitely be a factor. He will. He will have an impact uh, both as a uh, as a running back and a receiver. I don't think there's any question. He's already convinced the coaches that he uh, he's a guy that can do it. And I think there's no question. Uh, he's just got one of those attitudes that you know a leader and a guy that yeah I can do it. And uh, I think he's got the physical tools. You might like to see him uh, put on a few pounds. He's kind of a lean, uh, you know, a lean kid, but uh, certainly looks good on the basketball floor when uh, when he jumped literally over that kid's head. It looked like on the way to the dunk the other night uh, was uh, that was very impressive. Yeah, Emily and Corona had the same sort of question. She wanted to know if there's any official word that he's going to be a running back. But it sounds like you know, we'll we'll probably see him in both spots. In that the was a pretty much official. I mean, uh, I think uh, Kennedy made it really clear that. According to Nelson and, and what he's told the coaches, that he absolutely wants to be considered as a coming in as a as a running back, uh, uh, and I think that's a good way. That's a better probably way to transition. Uh, I think it's easier to go from running back to incorporate the wide receiver, uh, slot receiver, whatever kind of you know receiver you want to want to talk about. I think it's easier to go that way than to come in as a wide receiver and. Uh, and then become a running back. So I think that makes a lot of sense. All right. Let's, uh, we have another question kind of about recruiting as well and the impacts they've made. Here you go. Hi, my name is Rudy, USA alumni, and I currently reside in Jacksonville, Florida. I want to start by saying what a wonderful guy, thing you got, uh, job you guys have done with the Peristyle Podcast. And my question for you would be, out of this year's signing a recruiting class, who are your five favorites that will have an early impact on this upcoming season for USC? Well, let's see. Uh, Rudy, uh, I guess uh, we'll have a couple of guys from your way. Obviously, we just talked about Nelson. I don't think there's any question about it. I think Leonard Williams, uh, they really like him, obviously. Uh, as a defensive end, defensive tackle possibility. Uh, we'll see how how big he is and how strong he is as soon as he gets here. He sure looks like he can play. Uh, and I think they, uh, I think you talked to Coach Ordron, and I think he thinks he might be the uh, the impact player in the class, uh, certainly on, on defense. Uh, and I also think uh, a guy that's been kind of under the radar, but he's an early entry, is linebacker, you know, Scott Starr, who clearly it looks like is going to be, uh, you know, given a shot at that uh, backup middle linebacker, and he's not built like he's not exactly. He's kind of a lean. He's sort of a he's sort of a leaned out version. Like if you took Brian Cushing and got him ready for the marathon or something, is kind of what Scott Starr looks like. Uh, but uh, they're certainly um, you know grooming him for the you know kind of that next uh, that backup spot to Lamar Dawson in the middle, along with Will Andrew, a, a veteran. Um, uh, you know, middle linebacker who's been there a couple of years and really knows what they want to do. But but Scott Starr, I think, just because he's here, 
is going to get a chance uh, uh, to have an impact this spring. Uh, next, you would look at the offensive line, you know, the, the trio of, of big, you know, talents that are coming in uh, in the fall. And like, as we said for this last year with Marcus Martin, who would have picked Marcus Martin, 17-year-old, not that, uh, that you know, big a, big a name or a reputation, who would have picked him as the one that would, you know, slide in there as a starter and a mainstay, and he was 17 years old when he made his first start, and who would have, you know, who would have picked that? So I don't know that you can kind of single out, uh, uh, you know, one guy and say, uh, you know, this is the guy that's going to have the uh, immediate impact or, or th- of the two or three, whatever, uh, and try, you know, with those big young bodies, it's just kind of hard to decide. If you had to say, okay, which one of them is the most ready, probably, uh, you know, Max Turk would be uh, just a little more flexibility, uh, not as maybe, uh, you know, there's maybe some size uh, issues with the other two guys who, you know, with, with Jordan Simmons and Zach Banner, and, and that's not a negative. That's going to be a positive. But when you're dealing with six foot nine or 300 and however many pounds we're talking about with Jordan, those are just much more challenging, I think, for, for young kids to, to get them all squared away and going in the right direction and what have you. So, uh, so I think Max Turk probably would have, uh, you know, of the three, maybe be the most uh, game ready. But again, uh, you just never want to, you just never want to predict, uh, you know, with an offensive lineman. So that's probably got me up to, got me up to five or yeah. so. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good list. It'll be interesting to see. And even the new guys for spring, it'll be fun to watch guys like, uh, you know, um, Josh Shaw uh, and, you know, Scott Starr, see what, Chad Wheeler looks like stuff like that. It'll be fun to watch now. And then obviously, yeah, I mean, I think we've really gotten to see Josh Shaw a lot. I mean, he's been what a willing uh, participant, you know, a guy who stays late, uh, you know, bigger than you expected him to be when you see him in person, bigger than you expect a cornerback to be. And I think it's a nice, it's kind of an interesting move that USC is gradually becoming. Now he's a California kid, but he's, you know, an SEC kid also. And with him and Isaiah Wiley uh, out of uh, Louisiana and uh, Nikel Roby out of uh, Florida, you're getting a much more of a, uh, an SEC-type, you know, player and approach in the USC secondary. And then you've got, you know, T.J. McDonald. Well, you've got Juwan Starling also, a Florida kid. And then T.J. McDonald is, uh, you know, he could be honorable, honorable mention uh, SEC kid just the way he plays. So it's an interesting approach. The USC secondary, you know, you hear so much about, you know, all these great athletes and hitters and what have you in the Southeastern Conference. I think USC's getting to that point uh, if you look at the makeup of, uh, of the secondary. And, and Josh Shaw fits right in there. I, I've been very impressed with uh, – with what I've seen of him. Well, let's see. The spring ball starts tomorrow, like we mentioned. Are there any, I guess, what are the major storylines in your head right now of for this USC football team and Lane Kiffin heading into spring football 2012? I think uh, uh, I think one of the, the things on offense will be uh, how does, uh, you know, in terms of Matt Barkley's development, in terms of allowing him to become more of the uh, kind of, 
you know, Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning kind of quarterback where you, you know, let him get up to the line of scrimmage and see what, how they adjust to, uh, to what it is USC does. Uh, you know, teams are going to have to make a decision. Who, who do they shade? Who do they double? You know, if you've got, uh, you know, Marquise Lee on the, you know, one boundary and you've got Robert Woods on the other, what do you do with your safeties? You know, I mean, do you, do you try to shade one of those guys? And if you do, does USC, how much do they run two tight ends and run guys underneath? Or, or how much do they run George Farmer from the slot across the field in some you know, kind of underneath pattern where he's got some uh, uh, linebacker or defensive end trying to stay up with him? I, I think kind of those developments, uh, how, how does the left tackle go? Uh, uh, how does Kevin Graff adjust there, uh, probably getting the first shot. What is Andre Walker, you know, in terms of uh, how does that look like a fit for him at all now that he's down to 315 pounds? And I know we, we probably uh, – uh, the danger is it's so easy to talk about the USC offense, but I think the key and the important thing that's going to happen this spring is how does the defense develop? How does that philosophy uh, – and I thought last year they really – uh, did what they wanted to do with the linebackers. They got quicker. They got more athletic. They, they tackled in space so much better. But I'm not sure, you know, the entire thing went together all that well. They still didn't get teams off the field quickly enough. They, too many uh, or not enough three and outs, uh, too many long drives, too soft uh, when they had a lead, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, are they going to trust the athletes on defense? And, yeah, it certainly looks like that's what the athletes want, and you hear the reputation of Coach Sanders when he was at Nebraska. Coach Hazelton certainly had a shutdown defense uh, at North Dakota State. So we'll see if 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 they move in that direction of, of just becoming uh, where you just don't let the other team into the game. Uh, we'll see. That that to me is what I'd like to see this spring. Something uh, like that. Sort of a a kind of a, uh, an upbeat, more aggressive uh, defensive tempo. I know they've got to settle in on, on a, a kind of a, a defensive line rotation, but it'll be young, pretty athletic, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe that'll be better, uh, you know, to play that way and just to really go after people, uh, you know, at all parts of the defense. Uh, but we'll see. It, it should be interesting, but uh, I mean, much – that kind yeah, of, as good as they are on offense, I think the focus should be on defense. Well, I mean, I think a game you could talk about last year, if they did use that kind of uh, up-tempo pressure-style defense, probably the Arizona State game could have been a lot different. Just the, you know, from looking back on that game, it seems like a different philosophy certainly would have done a little bit right, more. Right. I think Arizona State sandbagged them. I think Arizona State convinced them from what the defensive back said that that they were going to throw the ball long and throw the ball long and don't get beat deep and don't get beat deep uh, from what Arizona State had done in its three first three games. And I think they were just setting USC up, and they threw underneath them every time, and USC's kids were just not ready to make uh, make the plays and all that. And I think that helped probably uh, develop uh, a sense for the rest of the year of, well, we can't let that happen. I think they looked at – how LSU played uh, Oregon and realized, you know, if we're going to get to a place where we can beat those teams, we, we really, really have to believe that we can do it 
with our athletes. So, uh, but you're right. Uh, I thought the Arizona State game was a was a great example of maybe not trusting your athletes and playing an NFL scheme that really wasn't suited, uh, you know, for that game and uh, and getting behind. You know, they they still got the lead, but it just didn't you know seem like they ever uh, took control of that game. And I think they realized like they went into Cal. And they just took the game over on defense. And they didn't have, you know, the offense wasn't hitting on all cylinders that night. And they kind of struggled. And, and yet they never let Cal in the game at all. I mean, they basically, with uh, defense and special teams, they just told Cal, you aren't going to be a factor here. And they weren't. And I think that kind of, you know, you, you kind of saw the recognition there that, okay, maybe that's what we really, really do have to do. And not that they got it perfect. Uh, right from there on there were moments where you know in games where they had leads that you would have liked to have seen them be a little more aggressive rather than just you know kind of uh, play it safe but uh, but I think you know that movement toward you know uh, playing a kind of an all-out attacking defense uh, with uh, a pretty veteran group certainly on the backside I mean they've actually got nine Nine starters, linebackers, and secondary guys, uh, uh, you know, back, basically, uh, considering they've got three at the one cornerback with, uh, you know, Wiley and Brown and uh, and uh, Torrin Harris. So that, that's a lot of experience, a lot of veterans, a lot of people you should be able to trust uh, to really get after people. So we shall see. But uh, but that's what I'm looking for in the spring, to see where the defense goes and what what kind of things they do with T.J. McDonald, for example, where, you know, he's talking about, you know, being used maybe more like a Troy Palomale, where they let him do a little more freelancing, and you don't know where he's going to line up if you're the, uh, you know, the opponent's offense. You come out there, you're going to have to find out, you know, where is, where's T.J.? And now what does that mean for us and all that? So uh, that, that'll be my focus, I think. I think the offense will be there. Okay, uh, and then one last thing before we let you go. There's a few names out there, some big names, guys like Robert Woods that are kind of coming off injuries or that maybe go over a few of the guys that you expect to either see in spring football or, or really not participate, just kind of be out there. Yeah, I don't. I think we're not absolutely certain. Robert was heading up to the doctors the other day to see uh, – uh, and my personal <laughs> feeling is he doesn't have anything he needs to prove uh, – this uh, this spring, so I, I certainly wouldn't I wouldn't push uh, I wouldn't push Robert. You got the uh, you got the the, the track guys uh, who, uh, by the way, all you know did look like they did really well with uh, Marquise and um, and Nikel. I think went first and or second and, and fourth in the long jump and the uh, uh, the beach relays over the weekend. And uh, uh, Tony Burnett uh, won the triple jump. So I think if there are ways in which uh, those guys will be at practice, I think, every every practice. But if you can work other guys in and, and let them really work on their track, I think uh, I don't think we have to worry, you know, about whether those guys are, are going to show up or not. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think. Uh, Abe Markowitz uh, is 100% cleared, but what that means in terms of whether he can just come out and uh, do all the things because, you know, he could be – the key backup at, at all three interior offensive line spots, uh, uh, how much pressure he can put, you know, on, on a, a fractured foot, a surgically repaired foot. 
I'm not absolutely sure. I think uh, Christian Thomas is another that we're not 100%. And Junior Palme, the two, the next two guys in line, possibly a tight end, uh, H-back, and and guys that have the ability to play offense and defense uh, are both coming off surgery. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. And those are the kind of guys that maybe they can get, get them going a little bit the first week, see where they are, then they've got a week off. And then bring them back, but uh, but those are the I think the guys I'm going to be you know looking at and see where they are. And I I think I guess DJ Morgan uh, feels like he's the healthiest he's been in in the two years since his surgery, and and to see what kind of burst he's got. He's also running track, and we'll see what kind of you know what kind of burst there is uh, there is for him. But but you'd like to see him get a lot of shot and maybe not feel like Curtis McNeil has to you know, uh, come in and prove himself. I think we, we know what, uh, what Curtis can do. And I guess the other thing, um, it's not so much, uh, surgery, uh, other than for the, uh, one of the three backup quarterback battlers, but, uh, for Jesse Scroggins with the ligament, but it'll be interesting to see where the, uh, uh, Cody Kessler, Max Wittick, uh, Jesse Scroggins, uh, uh, three-way battle, kind of goes and how much of that uh, maybe takes over and uh, uh, say Barkley doesn't have to spend as much time. Although I think they're going to give Matt a lot of chance to really get a feel of uh, kind of the new approach where he gets to uh, call his own shots a little bit more. Yeah, that'd be, that'll be interesting to watch as well. The whole quarterback situation and, and yeah, there's almost Barkley. not enough time <laughs> for yeah. enough plays. I mean, it really is hard when you've got four quarterbacks. Uh, uh, that may be as big a coaching challenge as anybody could have. Is just the amount of how do you have enough time and enough reps, uh, you know, to get that done uh, at the level, you know, that you really need to have it done. Uh, at the, and at the level of talent that those guys bring to the position. So uh, that, that, that actually is – Probably, uh, you know, one of the things that, that separates the, the good coaches from the great coaches is the ones who figure out how to get that done. All right. Well, Dan, we appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all the knowledge of this Trojan football team. We'll be able to talk about the first week of practice and how that went down next week on the show. And if you have any questions, don't forget to send them to us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can leave us a voicemail on peristylepodcast.com. We don't have time to get to recruiting stuff with Gerard this week, so we will certainly had a lot of questions too. We'll either try to do a Trojan Blast recruiting this week or we can go and uh, have him on next week on the show. But uh, again, Dan, thanks for, for coming on the show, and we'll see you out of practice tomorrow. Can't believe it. Be, uh, the next week we'll have three practices under our – wow. That's yeah. just hard to imagine. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. All right. Take care, Dan, and everyone okay. else. Thank you very Bye. much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Thank you.